when you're watching a show, are you someone that when you get to the penultimate episode, so the second to last, mm-hmm. do you have to immediately then watch the finale or, or are you okay kind of having a break in between? Ooh, if I've got if I've got it in me, I'm going to go on ahead and push into the uh, last episode if it's there for me. Same. Um, so I, I just kind of have to budget that. If I see, ooh, I've got two more left and it's too late in the evening, I'm probably going to opt out until I'm ready to to go on ahead and finish this thing out. Because there's something about, I think, momentum. And once you're in it, it's so much easier, at least for me, when it's Netflix or Apple Plus or something, to just say, eh, I thought I was only going to want to watch one episode, but now I'm hooked and now I need to just finish the series. Right. Yeah. No, that's me. So today is our finale of season two. So whether you are listening to this the day it came out or maybe you're listening to another episode before this, I'm going to encourage you to to binge this a little bit. Of You're going to want to jump straight into this one because our guest is fun and so insightful. Mm-hmm. And fair to say a good friend of yours, I think just by us listening to it, will pick up on um, the chemistry that you guys have of even the stories you have and running into each other with your different spouses in Nashville. and How I invited Robin and I to their new house. Um, and she That's picked right. Up on you that did team. invite yourself yeah. over. I think you invited it for like a weekend or something. That was not a subtle move, but she was very <laughs> gracious. Yes. Yes. So Rachel Myers. Yeah. A big name if you are in the world of Christian ministry mm-hmm. or Bible reading plans. You've probably heard of her. And if you haven't heard of her directly, I guarantee you've heard of her organization. She Reads Truth, which is now spun into He Reads Truth as well, which is just kind of this worldwide phenomenon that is actually celebrating their 10-year anniversary. Yeah. Which is so just cool. amazing. It's just so cool. And it's, you know, it it's there's so many um, you know, there are apps and there are books and there are devotionals and so many things that draw us and invite us and encourage us to get into scripture for those of us who read the Bible. I realize not everybody who is a listener here even owns a Bible, but for those of us who who um who openly say we believe this is you know a reliable way that God speaks to us is through his word. There are all these invitations to enter into like Bible reading, and yet all of the statistics show that it's just something that it just doesn't happen as much as theoretically we all would agree and think that it should happen. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Rachel and and um she reads truth and now he reads truth is that it is so winsome it is so practical and it is so grounded you know i mean when you when you hear her you can just tell this is someone who is grounded in scripture and really committed to doing this in community which i love which i think is a little bit different at least from my experience of other devotionals and reading plans it's yes there's that alone time which is great but there's not that follow-up community piece. It's sort of, hey, Tori, we need you to read these 12 verses and and then come back tomorrow and read another 12, which almost to me, if I'm being honest, feels a little bit like a homework assignment, Okay, which is why I think sometimes it's easy for me at least to fall off and feel like, wow, I haven't done my reading plan in mm. 10 days. I wonder why. Mm. Um, mm. What's so different is that this is not just alone time devotional. It's that plus this community piece that I think they are figuring out better than anyone else is that you need both. I agree. I agree. I agree. That that community piece though, there's there's a there are two sides to that coin. One of it is one of them is it, it is fun to discuss what you're seeing and what you're sensing and what I'm seeing and what I'm sensing. So there's that. But the other side of that coin goes back to what you were saying about a reading plan, which is there's, there's an accountability to each other too. Hey, let's check in with each other. How are we doing mm-hmm. with this? And they do such a good job with it. And I know I used that word winsome earlier. Um, I think you know this about Robin, my wife, who we've had on the on the show many times. But I would say she is an evangelist with so many things that she does. Uh, loves to talk about her her relationship with Jesus. But she's pretty much an evangelist with anything she gets excited about. 
including food. If you are at a meal with Robin and she likes what she's eating, you're getting a bite of what she's has on her plate, whether you want it or not. Much to the chagrin of one of my sons-in-law, who just doesn't <laughs> want to share food. Uh, there's such a winsome nature to it, though. When I see her enjoy something and she's like, oh, you got to try this. I say that because that's exactly how Rachel is with scripture. I mean, it's she enjoys engaging with the word. And when you hear her talk about this and, and the stories and just, just her whole approach to this. It's contagious in, in the best way. I, I, when we ended this episode, it was like, yes, everyone needs to hear this. And like, I need to hear this regularly. So um, you're right. A dear friend. So grateful uh, for the time she shared with us. So grateful for the way that she is inviting us into this. I was just going to say, I think there's there's such a value in this being our last episode of this season. Uh, we're going to take a summer sabbatical. Yeah, we'll catch up with you guys in the fall. But yeah, you're talking about something that you can implement not only today but through this summer that could quite honestly change your family, change oh, yeah. your life. Rachel's got some things to say. This is one that you should keep on the forefront of your brain, I think, during this this in-between time between seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and really encouraging, really practical. It It's not overwhelming at all what she's talking about. So, uh, you know, here we are at the end of this season two. I completely agree with you. What a perfect way to end it. What a perfect way to say, wait, I can do this now. And so I can't wait for you all to hear from my friend Rachel Myers. So how about if we just jump in on that conversation now? Okay, Rachel, I wanted to just start off by uh, by giving us both just a little bit of a thumbs up because we were together a couple of months That's ago right. uh, in California. And as often happens, when Robin and I see you and Ryan, there's that Oh, we should we should connect. We yes. should see each other again. We should talk again. Yes, every single time. <laughs> yeah, but but we're actually doing it. So I just wanna I just wanna say way to go to both of us. And that I term's so gonna come up later. <laughs> yes, me too. Um, me too. And listen, Robin and Ryan, they can just feel like we did it. We did it. <laughs> yes, yes. They're they, may they share in our uh accomplishment now. Yes, but, I love it. I love being able to introduce our listeners to friends of mine that have, um, are just having an extraordinary impact in this world. And you guys are definitely fall into that category. Um, and I want us to talk about she reads truth and he reads truth. And that's just going to take us a bunch of places. But would you start off, give us a little context of, of your family, a little bit about your story. And then we'll slide into some things that are happening now. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about She Reads Truth, that, like I hear you say the words extraordinary impact, which is so true. Um, it's beautifully true. But it's um, I think that like you probably feel this way, too, Greg. Like when you hear people say that, you're just like, oh, real quick. Not me. Christ in me. <laughs> it just, Amen. Yes. I mean, it is just a like a, a long obedience in the same direction that is sometimes like. God uses in huge visible ways. And sometimes the most important ways are the invisible ways. You know, this She Reads Truth happens to be one of the most visible ways that God is at work in me. Um, and so it, it's it's the fun one to talk about, you know, because She Reads Truth, we are actually coming up, Greg, on um, our 10th birthday in June. Can you believe it's been 10 years? That's um, so cool. And so we are just a worldwide community of women who read the Bible together every day. So every day for 10 years, we've been reading God's word together as a community. Now there's He Reads Truth, you know, so the guys are doing it too. They've yeah. been um, reading with us since about 2015. Um, and we also have Kids Read Truth. And that that mission is a little bit different because it's not necessarily kids in the word of God every day. For us with kids, it's this like we want to instill in them Biblical literacy is a biggie. And then just this love for God and this love for God's word. So the the main thing that we do that you asked about She Reads Truth, um, we have an app, we have a website, um, but the real like place that we're the happiest is 
in, we make these books, we make study books where we print, it's almost all scripture. Like I'd say it's 98% God's word and then like 2% ours, which is what we want. And so you can just say you're reading through, uh, for Lent, just recently we read through the book of Ezekiel. Um, and every day we read a little bit of Ezekiel and a little bit of something else in scripture because we love to let scripture interpret scripture. And just like, what does, what else does scripture have to say about what we're reading here in Ezekiel? Um, and it's just been this beautiful invitation for women to go, yes, this and yes, this, but don't forget, you know, don't just read, don't just listen to podcasts. Don't just read Bible studies. Just open your Bible and read God's word because the Holy Spirit promises that he's there and it's living and active. And like you are, you can't help but learn when you read God's word. You can't help but be changed. You can't help but be revised. <laughs> so, so, so much there. We could, we could, we'll keep spend the rest of our time talking about all of this. But um, let me just say to our listeners that all of these different ways to interact with you guys. It will all be in the show notes because I, I cannot, I just can't recommend this enough for all the reasons you're picking up on, on Rachel's passion for the word. But this is, I love that you said our happiest place. You truly, I wish you guys could see her right now. <laughs> there is a, there's a happiness that just kind of just, it lands on your face when you're talking about this. But I want to loop back, loop back to a, a term that you use, just so that everyone understands. You, you mentioned biblical literacy. What does that yeah. mean, and how have you seen that? Have you seen that play out in 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 this generation in these these times? Oh, I could go on that for an hour, Greg. Easy. <laughs> I'll try a short. What's a concise answer to that? Here's what we know. Um, and like maybe you know y'all listening have a different experience. Maybe you have a similar experience. Um, in talking with pastors, um, my pastor, other pastors here in town, you know, pastors like Greg, we have found ourselves and they have found themselves um, preaching with a baseline um, expectation of sort of biblical illiteracy at this point. So their congregations, and this is not this is not broadly true all the way around the world, but this is somewhat true where their congregations are, you know, they're in the pew but then they're not in the word in between Sundays. And so, you know, when a pastor used to be able to go like, you know, and then, oh, this makes me think of Jonah. This makes me think of Seth. Um, now they're having to go, this makes me think of Jonah who did this, you know, or this makes, so they're having to kind of create this literacy where it's like a little bit missing right now. There's been sort of like this feeling almost as though we're in a little bit of a self-inflicted famine um, of the bread of life where we're not necessarily opening our Bibles. We, you know, talk about with She Reads Truth, we actually support a lot of ministries that are bringing, you know, first copies of scripture to the unreached. But at She Reads Truth, what we're doing is getting the already reached to reach for their Bibles. You know, those households that have four copies, six copies, but they're not reaching for it. So like they're in the opportunity, the opportunity for feast, but they're self-choosing kind of a fasting or a, a famine from scripture. So when we talk about biblical literacy, what we're looking at is just people having an understanding of the big picture of scripture. Like what is the story? Like what are the connections? What, how, what does it look like to look at the thread of the presence of God all the way from the garden to the garden, right? Or yeah. all yeah. the thread of light. There's so many things to see and learn to be literate about scripture. And so that's what we're trying to do. Just let yeah. scripture educate people. Well, what, part of what I, there's much of this that I love, but th this works for both people who are reached and, and haven't reached for the word. Mm -hmm. Your approach works for those people, but it also works for people who are new to the faith, who aren't even in the faith yet, who Absolutely. are really starting from zero going, I don't understand this. I've heard some, some cultural references. So really it's, it's, there, there is a self-inflicted famine for those of us who have not reached for the word, who have been walking with Christ. But there's also these many people and many of our listeners who are saying, I, I don't, own a Bible yet. Right. And so this is a great on-ramp for all of us, I think is what I'm trying to say. And that's what I like. One of the things that we wanted She Reads Truth to be um, is a place for the man or woman who wakes up today and says, all right, 
like I'm breaking the fast, right? I'm going to read God's word today, but then gets like stopped up by like, but where, like, where do I read? What do I just open to Genesis 1-1? Like what's the right next thing to do? And so for nearly 10 years now, every single day without exception, She Reads Truth has been reading something together as a community. So not only do you not have to be alone, not only do you not have that accountability, but you have a place, you have direction. So if today you want to read with us, shereadstruth.com, we're reading the Bible. And you're not only reading with a big group of people, which is kind of amazing because you can talk to them and ask questions and explore there, but also it's just the quick, easy matter of knowing what should I read today? Yeah. It's, you said earlier, this idea of understanding the overarching, really the narrative, the plot you said from garden to garden, Right. this idea of what starts at the beginning, in the beginning, and what ends in what for us is Revelation 22, there is an, an arc to yeah. this story. But if you don't know that. <laughs> if you just open your Bible to, you know, Ezekiel 36 and you're like, what is happening? Oh, yes, there's so yes, yes. much that's significant and actually really beautiful about what's happening. But if you don't know the full story, you're kind of coming right. in on a weird scene. <laughs> Well, it's like, I, I, it, I forget who it was that said this, but it's like walking into a movie halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, wait, what did I miss? What's going on? Why does this matter? Mm-hmm. Why is the mute? Why did the music change? Yeah. Why, why was that a big scene? And if you, the backdrop is so important. And, uh, it makes me think though of this idea. Cause it's something that it's, it's rolling around in my head these days. There is so much of a community aspect to the story from the beginning we were made for relationship and we get to the end of this and we are in relationship with Mm -hmm. our creator with our savior but also with each other so let's talk a little bit more about that word community because you've already used it several times we're made for community yeah how does this interact with what we've seen the last two years i mean i'm thinking of the Oh my goodness, just the, all, all the statistics about loneliness and, and isolation. Tell me how she reads truth, he reads truth. Tell me how that is addressing what we now are admitting is a, it's just, it's there. It's everywhere. We have had to get creative, haven't we? <laughs> I feel yeah. like just like as humans, like how do we find connection in isolation? It's it's very tricky. Um, I was, we've been really thankful that um, she reads truth existed pre-pandemic and was flourishing pre-pandemic. And so it became sort of this immediate resource um, for people and for churches that didn't have an online plan or didn't have like a, this is what we can do when we're not together, when we're not in person. We were already doing something that didn't necessitate being in person. So that was um, just really kind of God that the timing of that we were able, to, we were already in place. How can we help? And so we're just reaching out to churches. Like you need, you know, a full subscription for your church to our uh, to our app. You got it. You know, just like how can we serve? Um, That's cool. That's but cool. but people have been able to then use what we've got in sweet. Like we've gotten so many sweet stories of like, you know, um, a mother with a lot of daughters in law, and you know they're kind of all over the States, right? But they have a text thread where they're reading the Bible together with Shirid's Truth every day and they're connecting over that thing because the direction's already there, the plan's already in place. And so then they're just, they have this connection point and that's been happening for families, that's been happening for small groups where they have a thing that they can use and it creates connection for them. We're not, we're not a church. We're not interested in being a church. We're interested in resourcing and serving and pointing people to the church. And so we've been able to do that, which has been beautiful. Well, I want to talk about that, but you made me think of something. I'm curious when you talk about a mom and daughters-in-law, I think the last two years, we've also seen that there are these divisions, these that have just been carved even within families. Yeah. Are you finding that um, coming back to a common Really, a common source, mm-hmm. scripture. Mm-hmm. How how does how is that helping families? Is it helping families? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I'll tell you, Greg. It has been really. It has always been freeing, and I think now more than ever that we 
at She Reads Truth, like I said, 98% God's words, 2% ours, you know, like that's our goal. And so when we do that, when we just hold out scripture and when we hold it up over our heads, um, there's really nothing left to do in terms of division because we're not saying here's the scripture and here's what it means. And so let's cause, let's find some division here. Instead, we're saying, here's the scripture. Like the unity is that it's for us. The unity is that it is, we're not meant to revise it. It's meant to revise us. And so to be able to just kind of hold it out, there's, there's not been a, you know, a, the backlash or the division that you might expect because it truly hasn't been us and it hasn't been man's opinion really at all. Yeah. Well, the under, the undercurrent of what you're saying is this idea that you actually trust that That's these right. words are living. Yes. They're, 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 they're active mm-hmm. there. We could use, just go there and use yeah. all these words. Um, that's what you are trusting. That, yeah. That's sort of square one for you. It's the baseline of like, if we believe that, you know, God's word is the complete authoritative word of God, like it is our authority. And so we, like I said, we hold it over us, we'll hold it over our heads and we're broadly evangelical. We're just biblically faithful. Like that's, that's what we do as she reads truth. And so for any person, you know, may, who may have a very different interpretation of scripture, but if they're saying it's the authority of me too, then we have a common ground. And then we get to look at it together and go, help me understand how you're seeing this differently. Help me understand how you're seeing it differently. But if the common ground is, but it's in charge, scripture is in charge, God is in charge, then we just get to be under it together and like work things out under that umbrella, under that covering. That's brilliant. Brilliant. When you when you start to talk about um, these various topics or just thoughts that you will lead people through, so like this idea of reading through Ezekiel during Lent, that's so fresh. I mean, that's really fresh. Mm-hmm. How do you get to that? People will ask me sometimes, well, how'd you come up with this or whatever? I'd love to hear your process. How do you guys think through, you know, how you're going to translate something into a resource? and the timeliness of it and just talk to us, pull back the curtain and tell us how she reads <laughs> truth works. Will you do that for a minute? Well, you are not wrong. That a lot of prayer. So I run, she reads truth. You said like with Ryan. So he's our COO. He kind of keeps things going. Um, but Amanda, my friend, Amanda Bible Williams, that is actually her maiden name Bible, believe it or not. <laughs> um, she and I run, she reads truth together. And so um, we've, you know, we've, we've got a plan, we've got a system and we've, you know, we work with our editorial team to, you know, plan our editorial calendar out pretty far. So a really good example of that, something, you know, kind of from concept to like finished product is a study that we recently released called, this is the church. So, you know, that we mostly do books of the Bible as a community. We mostly read through books of the Bible, but sometimes we'll take a topic. We asked the question, you know, like, if we wanted to create a five-week Bible reading plan about the church, what would that look like? And um, without fail at She Reads Truth, when we ask that question and when we like go down that journey, it is always significantly different than we expect for it to be because we only ask the question, what does scripture say about this? Not what, what does the world say or what does culture say or what do we think? Because if you go at a Bible study from that angle, you're not going to be able to, you're going to be looking for scripture to support it. And you're sometimes not even going to find it. Right. Um, So instead to back all the way up and go, what does scripture have to say? We found five weeks of, of scripture reading to answer the question, what is the church where we're able to go, you know, spend 20 reading days going, it is the bride of Christ. It is the body of Christ. It is established by Jesus. It is set apart to be holy. Like it is, committed to prayer. It is preserving the word. It is um, putting forth the message, like all of these things. And it is all from scripture. Now, to answer your question, does that come from me, me and Ryan? Like, how does that work? We have an entire editorial department that loves study and they love studying God's word. Um, So there's a ton of reading, a ton of study that goes into it. But at the end of the day, what we try to do is take these 400 level or 300 level concepts and present them to the church um, at a hundred level. 
so that you're not feeling like it's like too heady, so that it feels as inviting as scripture really is. So to read for five weeks about what does what does God tell us about the church? Um, it's this beautiful journey that we're we're going through as a community and we're learning so much. And if someone reads this Bible study um, from the beginning to the end, how do we want them to be different? We really believe that if you spend five weeks reading about the church, that it is going to change your understanding of your identity and that our identity informs our actions. And so you won't help but be able to change the way that you interact as God's church with God's church. Um, there's a lot more unity on the other end of that, I believe. Well, let's stay on that topic for just a second, because you you mentioned community, and now you're mentioning church, and I think you're talking about the capital C church. I don't think I know you are talking about I am, capital, capital C, C. You got but it. But you also mentioned what we'll call the, the lowercase C church earlier. And I'd love for you to, to, to help us a little bit with, there's such an importance to experiencing God's word alone at your own pace and your own rhythm. There's just something personal that mm-hmm. happens there. But I know that you, and you have even, you even said this now, there, there's this idea of experiencing God's word corporately. Help us to understand why we need both. Yeah. I think you, you hit on this a little bit, Greg. Um, the Christian life is personal, but it is not private. Um, it, it is meant to be deeply personal. Um, and if it's not, then we're missing a really big, important, critical piece of of the Christian faith. Because if it's not personal, if we're not seeing our sin and repenting in the quiet with Jesus, then then what are we doing? Yeah, it's theoretical at that point. We're doing religion. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. um, but it is not private. Like it is meant to be shared. And I think about, you asked about the local church. I really like we ask, you know, is is the local church for us or is the local church for the world? Like what's the purpose of the local church? And I, I just think of the local church is a set of lungs. Like we come together and we breathe in the spirit and God's word and the fellowship and the prayers. And then we go out and we breathe it all out all week long. But then we come back together and we breathe it in. And we can't breathe out during the week if we haven't breathed in together as like a body of believers. So there is a very evangelical aspect to Every single local church, it can't serve evangelistically if it's not if it's not caring internally. We aren't the end point of God's grace. The, that's right. It, yes. In, this in breathing in and breathing out. That's a great metaphor of 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 what this is. Um, and I'll just say, uh, what we breathe in, we breathe out. <laughs> so that <laughs> that you, is not wrong. You, you can take that further. Yeah. Right. I think in this world that is just full of hurt and controversy and anger and 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 in some cases just completely understandable frustration there's there's so much floating in the air but we have to be intentional I think that's a word that that I think of when I think of your your ministry and all of these efforts that God is blessing for now low these many years um there's an intentionality that you have to get to with this. What am I taking in? What am I breathing in? That's right. That's right. It takes discipline. That's the thing. Like, I think that we just, I, um, for so many years when I was like a teenager, you know, getting ready to go to college, I just thought like, once I'm in college, I'm going to really nail down my Bible reading. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get good at that. Um, because my schedule will be different, whatever you get to college and you're like, Oh, Definitely, once I graduate, you know, or once I get married, uh, then I will be able to have the bandwidth for a really good routine. And that goes to suddenly, you know, no, when I have kids and then I'm a stay at home mom, and then that's the time. Turns out being a stay at home mom is the least amount of time, <laughs> right? Uh, but then it's like, well, when the kids go to school, like the, the seasons of life, they keep going. And then you're like, you know, when I'm an empty nester is the time where I'll really finally get my Bible reading habit under control. Um, and then things come up, right? And it, I think that like when you're saying about intention, like every season of life without exception, it requires discipline to read the Bible. And there is there's no time where it is just, I mean, certainly as you grow your habit, like you're, you grow in your desire, but there always has to be intention because there's always something vying for your attention. I'm, I'm not going to make this theoretical and like, yeah, that person out there that has a hard time being intentional encourage each of us 
Uh, There are those moments where you get stuck or you get in a rut or or it's a season of life. All the things that you've mentioned encourages like, where do we start? Maybe how do we start and what should we expect to start happening when we start? I think that the one of the most important things to remember, to remind ourselves, to remind each other, um, it's what Timothy teaches, you know, or Paul's letter to Timothy teaches that Bible reading is not the goal. A perfect, a great prayer life is not the goal. Um, fasting isn't the goal. Any of those spiritual disciplines, they're actually not the goal. And I'm this, the founder of She Reads Truth saying Bible reading is not the goal. Because if you think about when we go to the gym, is going to the gym the goal? No. Going to the gym, the goal is to be well and to be strong. And so likewise, the goal of reading our Bibles, the goal of having a good prayer life, the goal is Jesus. The goal is the presence of God. The goal is strength and wellness and like being strong in Him. And so the reason that I say that is because I think that we have to free ourselves from some sort of religion that expects us to be perfect. And we have to just shed that and go, yeah, I didn't go to the gym. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to go today, you know, and, and, and just to be free from whatever past, whatever history, whatever bad habit that we've gotten into or good habit that we've gotten out of and to go today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the gym today. I'm going to read my Bible today. And that pursues presence of Jesus today. And that's what we're given. We're given today. So I think my encouragement is just when you're done listening to this podcast, open your Bible. And if you don't know where to open your Bible, join us because we're reading the Bible today and you're welcome to read with us. And there's no shame that you bring to that. There, there, there's no shame that you bring to a relationship. Oh, no, no, no. You're pursuing him and he's not going to ask you well, where were you yesterday? Because I was sitting here and it's, it's, that's not how this works with Jesus. We talk about how we're not able to qualify ourselves for salvation, right? Like we understand that, although it's sometimes hard to remember that we're not, we can't be good enough to save ourselves, but we also can't be bad enough to like disqualify ourselves from the gift of salvation because it's that it is a gift. So shame is not from God. Shame is not from Jesus. Like if you feel shame because you haven't done something, that's not from him. That's not from Christ. Invitation is from him. Pursuit is from him, but the shame isn't. And I think that the minute you think that you have the power to disqualify yourself from the love of God, you're giving yourself too much credit. What's interesting is when you're talking about this in, in such a beautifully relational way, even though there, we said earlier, it is good to learn, I mean, to engage your brain and to learn the plot points throughout scripture. It will help you when you understand the narrative. It's good to engage your brain, but you're yeah. saying from a, from a really relational perspective, Rachel, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems to free me up from an expectation of like a certain sort of feeling or goal at the end of my reading scripture as in, hmm, I didn't feel as inspired or I didn't feel this or I didn't feel that. If my goal is Jesus and an interaction with Jesus, then having been in his word is going to show up at some point in my day, in my heart, in my language. It sort of frees me up from a wow, I just finished my Bible time and I didn't feel it. <laughs> we expect there to be some kind of wow factor every time. Yeah. I mean, you've heard, you've probably heard the, I think that my pastor, you know, Scott Sauls um, shared this with me, but I don't think it's from him, that analogy of like, just kind of asking like, how many meals have you had in your lifetime? Right. So like, I'm almost 40 years old. So 40 times 365 times three, sometimes four, if we're honest, right? Sometimes we go for the fourth meal. But, and then, okay, so however many meals, how many do you remember? How many were really, really meaningful? Um, probably under a dozen or right around there. Let's even go with 50. But if I'd only eaten 50 meals in my lifetime, was that enough nutrition to still be alive today? Absolutely not, right? We need to have the daily diet. Like there is the like, don't feel shame for not doing something, for not for not reading your Bible regularly. But please don't 
fast from scripture. At the same time, it's this like you need the daily nutrition, not because every day is going to be this wow moment. You may not feel just like, oh, my word, like I'll never be the same because of what I read today. But I guarantee you, you'll never be the same after this daily diet of God's word. Absolutely not. Okay. well, first of all, that's brilliant enough that it sounds like it could be Scott. So let's just say that since it could be, let's give it to him. him. Scott. Yeah, that could (laughs) absolutely have fallen out of his head. But I love that. I love that. Well, let me ask you this. What happens when you admit to God, this is hard. Will you give me a hunger for his word? Tell me what you're the, the community of people that have gathered in this movement, what happens when you pray that prayer? I think praying prayers can be very dangerous things, I think, in the most beautiful way. Uh, I think that when you pray and ask God for something in pursuit of him, I think he will give it to you. It's like when you pray the prayer, God, show me my sin. You better be ready. You better be ready. It is a prayer. It's that, uh, you know, it's that ocean song, like, take me deeper than my feet will ever wander. Okay, buckle up. (laughs) So, yes, when you pray, God, give me a hunger for your word. Make me, make me hungry. Like, I can't, I feel weak when I haven't read your word, right? Mm -hmm. Help me to feel weak when I have it. Help me to know that there's, there's a reason that I'm not functioning the way that I should or that I'm not interacting with other believers or with the world uh, the way that I should. What's missing? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me. That's good. That's good. That's good. I know that there are seasons of life, or at least for me, where a certain passage, a certain verse, maybe a certain story, a certain character in scripture is just a, pl- a place of either solace or encouragement or maybe conviction. Um, mm-hmm. Is there is there such a place for you these days? I would typically answer this with um, there's there's a passage in Second Timothy four that I just I adore and I just have felt so. Um, I, I think maybe a lot of people feel this way, but I feel like it's like. For me, you know, that that passage, you know, where Paul's in his final words before he's martyred, you know, talking to Timothy and going like, hey, (laughs) you know, like you have to guard the faith. And he's saying there are going to be people with um, itching ears who like collect for themselves speakers and preachers who would tell them what they want to hear. Uh, And and that is like that is the world that we live in where we can you can pay somebody to tell you whatever you want or you can find somebody that'll say the truth adjacent thing that feels right enough and it kind of gets you by so i've i've, I've loved second timothy 4 for that and so if, for those of you who are like yeah i am going to open my bible after i stop listening to this podcast open up the second timothy 4 it's fantastic okay so that's a classic reference for you Tell us where you are these days. We're currently, you know, as a community reading um, this, this is the church study that I mentioned. And um, and so I think that I've maybe said or I didn't say that we also have a podcast that comes out on the Monday before you're going to do the reading. So we kind of like Amanda and I have like a one hour conversation about everything you're going to read that week so that you can get these kind of tea ups like we were talking about Second Timothy. So you get that context, you kind of get this bonus biblical literacy before you even do the reading. Well, recently we we did this um, for the last chapter, I think it is, or the last week of this, this is the church study. And we're learning about the church as a royal priesthood. And we were having this conversation with Louis Giglio um, about what does it mean that we're a royal priesthood? And this is kind of pulling from that verse in First Peter. And I've just been, I mean, that conversation was probably four days ago. And on my drive to work this morning, I was still like talking to God about it and thinking about it because the thing is that Jacob had 12 sons and the 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And each of the tribes had a job. Um, or had got a, like an allotment of land, but the Levi's tribe were called the Levites and they got to be the priests. And it was their job for people to come to them, come to the tabernacle. And that when, when Christ was crucified, the, the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom um, in the temple. And, and that dividing line between mankind and God was torn once and for all. And that in Christ's death and his resurrection, 
we have ac- we have the kind of access to God that only the sons of Levi had, um, that we are ourselves as believers a royal priesthood. So that means that on my car ride from home to work this morning, I got to be a priest. I got to go directly into the presence of God and talk with him because of the work of Christ. And this Old Testament, very complicated thing became this beautiful morning drive for me. And the sacrifices that had to be made in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle and in the temple, the sacrifice that's made now is my life is a sacrifice of worship and obedience. And that is my like, that is my love offering to Jesus. And, and so I get to live as a priest and as a sacrifice to the ultimate priest and the ultimate sacrifice. Listen, that is so good. And it's, you know, I know we keep coming back to it, but you're, you're, you're applying that in your real time, real world situation. This isn't yeah. a, uh, wow, that was interesting. Old Testament knowledge that applies to something Peter said in the second chapter of first Peter. It's, it's really, it's, right. it's real time, real world application. And yeah. that's it. That's what we want. We, we, it's great to learn a nugget of truth, but when that starts to like explode in my heart and now it's, it's like affecting my drive to work. Now we're talking. Now we got the hunger we prayed for. Now right? we're talking. That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's beautiful. That's just beautiful. Um, listen, uh, we could and have proven this on other occasions when mics aren't on. We could talk for a long time. It's true. And uh, and let's do it again. <laughs> let's 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 yeah. do this. Let's keep uh, encouraging each other. And I, we are going to give everybody all of the show notes and and uh, in the show notes all of the resources and ways that they can access what's going on. One of the things that we do is I'd mentioned up front that you and I were going to, I felt like we needed to, you know, say way to go to each other. Well, we have, we have a way to go award around here. We don't have any hardware. We don't, you know, have anything to give to people, but it's just like right now, Rachel, if, if, if you wanted to give a shout out to a person, an organization, an artist, someone that is doing great things in the world. Who would you be nominating for a way to go award? Oh, that is easy. That is easy. I it's possible that I mean because I'm so impressed by this organization that you probably or possibly already know about them and maybe have even already shouted out to them. Um, but we are, I mean, I told you that we are in the business of getting the already reached to reach for their Bibles, right? And yeah. um, so what about the people who don't have scripture in their language? Um, and so we are crazy about the work that this organization called Illuminations is doing. Have you talked about them yet? No, but I, okay, know, great. I, I love what they're doing. Go ahead, I, go. I, okay. So they are this organization that kind of looked at um, what's happening in Bible translation. And I'm going to get all the numbers wrong. And so all the grace, but I'm sure that you guys can link to their website and you can get the exact correct numbers. But what was happening is there were like several, several, like, several dozen Bible translation organizations, and they were all doing good work on their own. And so Illuminations came in and said, hey, what if we do this together? Because if everybody does this on our own, this is going to take another 200 years. Um, If we work together, pool our resources and get smart about this, this could happen in our lifetime. The CEOs of the like the 10 top Bible translation organizations, so like Wycliffe, American Bible Society, Seed Company, they meet in a boardroom at the Dallas airport every month and they give updates and they work together and it is happening. And the thing that I love about it is that you think about the, you know, the Great Commission and Jesus says like, go like to the church. He says, go and like take the gospel to every nation. The work that has to be done to take the gospel at this point to every nation, it's its hundreds of millions of dollars that it's going to take. And you get a couple of the right guys with the checkbook or right gals with a checkbook. And like, maybe you could pull it off, but that's not what they're doing. They're asking the church to do it. And they're asking like, we don't need these. Well, sure, we want big checks, but that's not the point. The, the number, the high number that we're looking for is people. We want the church to close this gap and close the door and to participate in bringing 
the gospel to every nation. And so we, I mean, we, I told you we have a 10th birthday in June. That is what we have asked for, for our birthdays, for every single she who reads with us to commit to like supporting illuminations in getting the Bible translated into every language in our lifetime. And it's just a win on every angle, this idea of the church working together as one pretty big deal and, 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 and proclaiming the gospel. That is, that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. Way to go. Illuminations. Here are some one-off questions. This is the end one. And you just tell us what, what comes to mind. One person that has made a lasting impact on your life. Uh, My uncle Dave. I I grew up with a dad who was kind of in and out of the picture and I always got invited on their family vacations. Oh, wow. Legacy, right? I mean. Yeah, right. I got to see what a healthy, happy family looked like. Not every day of the year, but maybe for a couple of weeks every summer. And it just huge impact on the way that I now get to participate in a happy, happy, healthy family. What's one thing that you're loving these days that we should check out? Now, you're, it's wide open. This could be something you're listening to, a, a, a podcast oh, series. What, what do you got? Right now, this is so like off topic of anything else we've talked about this hour, which is great. Um, yes. Stanley Tucci, um, new favorite. Like I would, yes. I don't know anything about his politics or anything. So like, that's just going to have to be the the blanket of grace on that. But like, to me, he's like the new Betty White. Like <laughs> maybe that's overselling it, but I love his show on CNN where he just like, he's touring Italy and just like all the food. But we, we bought his book that just came out. It's called Taste. And Ryan is reading it out loud to me in the evenings. And we keep like having to like stop mid chapter and go make the thing. Cause it's, a regular book, but there's yes. recipes in it. And we're just like, I have to, I have to know what that tastes like. We're going to have to go cook that right now. Um, yes, I'm in. A, I love him as an actor. B, right? I'm all about Italian food. So yes, that book is happening now. So, okay. There it um, is. Yes. Um, I think I know the answer to this. Well, you answer it for us. Uh, what's one way that you're connecting with God these days? And of course, we've been talking about the word. Is there something else or is there something specific? Mm -hmm. It's getting really personal for you these days with God. It is most personal with me um, on Sunday morning. I love my local church. I love that we get down on our knees, physically on our knees every Sunday, and we repent as a church and then we repent individually. I love that we take communion every Sunday and proclaim the gospel to ourselves and to each other. I love that we worship and that our final act of worship is giving. I love the intentionality of my church. And it is, I mean, we're recording this on a Monday morning and I am ready for the week because I went to church yesterday. That's really encouraging. What's, um, What's one lesson you wish you could have learned sooner in life? You know what? Here's a great one. I, my dad taught me this when I was very little, simple concept that has served me well. Um, he said, go to the person who has what you want and ask for it. And it is such a simple concept that doesn't have a lot of spiritual implication or anything like that. But um, the times that I haven't done that, I haven't gotten what I wanted. <laughs> and the times that I have done that, it has gone well, or I didn't get it, but at least I tried. And I, I've kind of raised my kids that way. Like, you need a straw, you walk up to the little counter at Starbucks and you ask for it, you know, just like being little people. Um, sometimes we sit around waiting because we wish we had something and and instead just go to the person who has what you want and ask for it. You may or may not get it, but at least you tried. Well, and I'm going to say there is a spiritual component to that. I think James said something about that. I think there's a that, very spiritual component. Yeah. So baseline, <laughs> that's the concept. But also you have not because you ask not. And if yeah. you go to him and you ask for the things in his name, then it'll be given to you. Not only um, things like straws at Starbucks, but if you ask for a hunger for God's word. That's it. You'll that's get it. it. Yeah. Go to the person what? who has what you want and ask for it. I love it. Uh, what's one trait you had as a kid growing up that you still have today? <laughs> uh, let me think. I have always been somebody who loves change. Um, but to be clear, I love change that I am causing. So like even as young as like even like probably younger than you would think, like I would paint my room. And my mom was very cool about that. Like I, I mean, 
once a quarter. It's we're going to the store and we're getting Rachel's paint in her room again. Like we're moving, we're doing whatever it is. We're rearranging the furniture. I mean, my degree is in interior design. So maybe that actually plays into it too, but I've just always loved to change things up as long as I'm the one making the change. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Always. Okay. One last one. Uh, what's one way that you're moving into this year, this, these next months with hope? Ryan and I have been working on something for about three years now, and it is going to come to fruition this summer. And I'm really excited about it, not because my hope is in this thing, but because I have a lot of hope for what God is going to do in this thing. We've been building a home and um, we've named it the warming house. And we have just from the time we got married and had our first house, we have loved hospitality. And we've had people living in different corners of our house almost always, you know, since since we were young. And we are building a home and it's called the warming house. And it is we it is a cold world out there. But um, we want that when people come to our home to be warmed. Um, it's also a nod to Ryan's hockey days. He played a lot of ice hockey um, up in Michigan. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful about that, especially we have kids who are in middle school and high school. And to be the place, not just where kids gather, but where kids gather and they find hope and they see. And, you know, I just that throwback to like my opportunities to witness homes of people who love each other you know, and who honor God. I want our home to be that for anybody who comes through it. So I'm really excited about the warming house and we're hoping to move in this summer. Oh my goodness. Well, I can't wait to hear stories about that. So just hope you guys come and stay. Well, let's do it. Um, uh, Let's do it. Rachel, thank you so much. I mean, it's just always, uh, just always just such a blessing to to hang out with you guys. And uh, thanks for carving time out to, to be with us today. And, uh, I think, I hope, maybe, I'm thinking maybe we'll have a chance to see each other even later this month. I hope that's the case. And so um, I'll be able to thank you and Ryan in person. But um, so grateful for your ministry. So grateful. And congratulations on 10 years. And I personally can't wait to see what what God does with the next 10 years of what you're doing. And uh, just thanks one more time for sharing your heart with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love an hour where I just get to share the things that just light me up, you know? And so thank you for this hour. And thank you for this podcast. I mean, what a great way to just get lots of different voices, lots of different perspectives, and, you know, really just looking at the beauty, goodness, and truth that's all around us, right? So thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to a Godzillion and One podcast. Subscribe, share this episode with a friend, and head over to gregholder.com for the show notes. And as always, stop and notice this week the shockingly and seemingly endless ways to connect with each other, this world, and the God who made it all. We'll see you next time.